Sadgurnath Maharaj Kije. May all reverence and respect for any works this Swami may do be directed to His Holiness Mahamandeleshwar Paramahamsa Swarupananda Vishwaguru Maharaj of Los Angeles, California, by whose wisdom and guidance this Swami has attained. Welcome to Meditative Living here at Type1Radio.com. Thank you ever so much for the technical support and button pushing from across the big pond to Sonic over there in Brighton, England. He'll be jumping in here in a little bit. Today, we get into episode number five of this Swami's presentation, discussion, and teachings from Gyaneshwar's Gita, which is probably the most fully developed, most occulted, most esoteric, commentary ever written upon the Bhagavad Gita, with which a great many are familiar. Today we pick up from chapter 2, the Yoga of Knowledge, from the Bhagavad Gita, verse 13 of chapter 2. Krishna says to Arjuna, just as in the body, childhood, adulthood, and old age happen to an embodied being, so also the embodied being acquires other bodies. The wise one 
is not deluded about this. Gyaneshwar's commentary. Moreover, there is only one body that passes through all the different stages of life. Surely this is evident. You experience childhood, then in adolescence it vanishes. Yet the body does not perish at the change of each stage. However, physical bodies eventually die. One who knows this is not disturbed by any grief arising from mental confusion on this topic. Verse 14, Krishna said, Physical sensations truly, Arjuna, causing cold, heat, pleasure, or pain, come and go and are impermanent. So manage to endure them, Arjuna. Gyaneshwar's commentary. A person fails to understand this because of the domination of the senses. The heart is in their power, and so it is confused. Objects are enjoyed through the senses, and from the senses, joy and grief arise. Because of this contact, the mind is plunged into confusion. The effects of sense objects are not uniform. Sometimes pain is the result, and sometimes pleasure. Listen! Both praise and blame are associated with the realm of words. When they are heard, they give rise to love or hate. Softness and hardness are both qualities experienced by touch. When the body feels them, they cause pleasure or pain. Form may be ugly or beautiful, and through the eye they produce dislike or delight. Fragrance and stench are different odors and through the sense of smell, they arouse satisfaction or disgust. Likewise, taste is manifold and produces likes and dislikes. The contact with sense objects is therefore the cause of corruption. If one gives in to the desires of the senses, one feels heat and cold and is caught up in pleasure and pain. It is the nature of the senses to find nothing more attractive than sense objects. But what is the true nature of these objects? They are like the water of a mirage or like an elephant seen in a dream. Like these, they are ephemeral, so reject them, O Arjuna. 
don't let yourself be affected by contact with them. Verse 15, Krishna said, Indeed, the man whom these, the sensations, do not afflict, O Arjuna, the wise one, to whom happiness and unhappiness are the same, is ready for immortality. Gyanishwar's commentary. The person who is not bound by these objects is not affected by pleasure or pain, and for him there is no need for rebirth. O Arjuna, you should understand that a person who does not fall into their power is truly immortal. Verse 16, Krishna said, It is found that the unreal has no being. It is found that there is no non-being of the real. The certainty of both these propositions is indeed surely seen by the perceivers of truth. Ganeshwar's commentary. Now listen, Arjuna, I will tell you something else. Wise men understand this. Within this body dwells the same consciousness which pervades all things. Philosophers accept this. When milk is mixed with water, it becomes one with it. Still, it can be separated by the royal swans. Through fire, the alloy mixed with gold is burned out, and those who have the knowledge can extract the pure gold. When milk is churned by those who know how, butter finally appears. When grain and chaff are winnowed together, the husks blow away and the heavy grain is harvested. Similarly, when this is properly understood, the outer visible world vanishes, and for the wise, only God remains. They do not consider that impermanent things are real, for they have realized the truth. Verse 17, Krishna said, Know that that by which all this universe is pervaded is indeed indestructible. No one is able to accomplish the destruction of the imperishable. Yanisvara's commentary. Considering the real and the unreal, you will see that the unreal is illusory, while the real is eternal. That which has manifested the three worlds has neither name, color, form, nor sign. It is eternal, all-pervasive, and beyond the reach of birth and death.
No one can ever destroy it, no matter how much he may try. Verse 18, Krishna says, These bodies inhabited by the eternal, the indestructible, the immeasurable embodied self are said to come to an end. Therefore, fight, Arjuna. Yaneshwar's commentary. All bodies are destructible by nature. Therefore, fight, Arjuna. Verse 19. He who imagines this embodied self, the slayer, and he who imagines this self, the slain, neither of them understands the embodied self does not slay, nor is it slain. Yanishvar's coming. With pride in your form, having thought only of your body, you say, I am the killer, and these are the ones who die. But you don't understand, O Arjuna. If you think in terms of reality, you are not the slayer, nor can those over there be slain. Verse 20. Neither is this embodied self born nor does it die at any time, nor having been, will it again come not to be. Birthless, eternal, perpetual, primeval, it is not slain when a body is slain. Janishvara's commentary. Whatever is seen in a dream appears to be real at the time, but when remembered on waking, it has no reality to it. Similarly, know that this is an illusion, and your confusion, therefore, is vain. A shadow cut with a weapon is not wounded. When a pot of water is turned upside down, the surface can no longer reflect the sun. Nevertheless, the sun is not destroyed along with the reflection. The air inside a house seems to have the shape of the house, but if the house is torn down, the air resumes its natural form. Verse 21. Krishna said, he who knows this, the indestructible, the eternal, the birthless, the imperishable, in what way does this man cause to be slain, Arjuna? Whom does he slay? Gyanishvara's commentary. Similarly, though the body may die, the self does not. Therefore, O oh beloved, do not cling to this delusion. Verse 22. 
Krishna said. As, after casting away worn-out garments, a man may later take new ones, so, after casting away worn-out bodies, the embodied self encounters other new ones. Yaneshwar is commenting. Just as a person puts on a new garment, in the same way, the self, the big-ass self, takes on a new body. Verse 23. Weapons do not pierce the embodied self. Fire does not burn this. Water does not wet this, nor does the wind cause it to wither. Verse 24. This cannot be pierced, burned, wetted, or withered. This is eternal, all-pervading, fixed. This is unmoving and primeval. Gyanishvara's commentary. It is eternal, pure, without beginning or limitation. It cannot be cut by any weapon. It cannot be submerged by the final deluge. Fire can never consume it, and even the strongest winds cannot wither it. O Arjuna, this is not visible to the eye of reason. But meditation eagerly reaches out for it. Verse 25, Krishna said, It is said that this is unmanifest, unthinkable, and unchanging. Therefore, having understood in this way, you should not mourn. Yanishvara's commentary. He is ever inaccessible to the mind, and he is not attainable by any special practices. O Arjuna, this supreme being is immeasurable. O Arjuna, he is everlasting, immovable, all-pervasive, and eternally perfect. He transcends the three qualities, is beyond form, without source or change, and all-pervasive. O Arjuna, know him in this way, and see him as the self of all. Then all your grief will pass away. Verse 26. And moreover, even if you think this to be eternally born or eternally dead, even then you should not mourn for this, Arjuna. Gyaneshwar is coming to you. Even if you don't believe this and think that the big-ass self is subject to death, still you should not grieve, O Arjuna. For birth, life, and dissolution follow one another in eternal progression, like the ceaseless flow of the river Ganges. At its source, 
It never fails. It is always flowing all the way to the ocean. And in the middle of its course, it also flows continuously. It passes through these three stages in succession, and no creature can ever arrest its flow. Therefore, you should not grieve for these warriors, for these conditions have been the same throughout all time. If you don't agree, O Arjuna, seeing that people are subject to birth and death, even then there is no cause for you to grieve, for birth and death are inevitable. Sonic will go ahead and do the break song here. Stick around. Sonic and this Swami will discuss what we just covered on Gyanishvara's Gita here on Meditative Living.
of the week this week. That was the great knowledge. There is none greater than that which Krishna was giving to Arjuna. Uh, namaste, Swami. Namaste, Swami. Can you turn your volume up a bit? Uh, uh, yes, uh, well, actually, just, um, just continue. Okay. And I'll, uh, I'll just nip and um, put my headphones in. Okie dokie. So, this is the part in the show <laughs> where Sonic and Swami discuss what has been presented thus far in this episode of Meditative Living with Swami Shivanandagiri. By the way, this Swami welcomes you with great love and great respect from the heart of all. And Are we plugged in? I am plugged in. Is that better? Yep. Excellent. So, um, so in uh, in these particular verses, so so um, it's not necessarily a question, but more like sub, a subject to discuss. Sure. Um, so he's what he's describing is um, how you've got to uh, really curb the um, attachment to objects. Yes, uh, be- because uh, because in our limited state we are not um, fully aware of how objects exist and uh, the impermanent nature of objects. Right. So, so to attach our um, focus towards particular objects is, although it might be, uh, you know, mean something, it uh, ultimately is uh, time can be spent uh, better focusing on things that perhaps have more permanence. Uh, yes, such entirely, as, entirely true. Such as, um, which he later goes on to describe, um, the uh, the the big S. The big consciousness, rather than just like limited self and uh, right. limited consciousness. So right, we the- we exist through the limited consciousness with the opportunity, whether it is taken or not, in a particular body, 
to reach the unlimited, infinite, eternal, the void, call it whatever you will, these states are achievable. They are not full of little comic book character vision things. That's lower. You know, like people getting with DMT and ayahuasca and all that stuff. That's lower. You're still just you interacting with a bunch of strange things. Oh. That's more of a dreamlike world. But also, um, the so people um, try to find this elusive um, place or state or uh, call it what you want, and you know, may travel uh, thousands of miles to uh, get an insight of what this uh, object that they crave is and yet when it comes down to it they've been carrying this uh, <laughs> the same exact thing that that, that appears out uh, of reach and yet is the closest thing uh, that we have in our being yes it is closer to you than your next breath because yeah. the next breath requires work to get action must be applied. The lungs must work. The breath must move. But the conscious, impermanent, or excuse me, permanent, unending, big S self has never been one breath away from you, you simply had to forget about it in order to play the game, insert your name here. Yeah. Um, I used to do a, um, a meditative practice um, where instead of focusing on the breath, the, uh, the, uh, the focus was on the space between the breath. Yes, and, the stillness. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, try, yeah. And, and try to expand the, yes. that um, awareness. Um, it, that, and it is um, hard, but it's yes. still... Um, For those of us who are addicted to sensory perceptions this lack thereof <laughs> during the process of identifying that small gap between one breath and the other, between one thought and another, between one impression and another, between one idea. There are all sorts of means for approaching this spot where it's stillness, it's silent, even though there may be activity going on all around you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, easier yeah. when it's quiet. It's easier when, well, when all sorts of situations could be different, but listening to music won't get you there because you're listening to the music. Your sense of hearing is engaging the input. 
So you don't do it that way. The smell of the incense, all of these things can, can help to, to narrow your sensory focus, but that is absolutely fundamental to attaining any state of what we refer to as samadhi, which means absorption. It's like for, for those within this Swami's particular practice, you could think of it like this. When you stir up the contents in a cup or a glass, it creates a vortex, like a little tornado kind of in the liquid right down to the bottom, yes? Yes, yes. In our practice, we seek to do that very sort of movement, but upward. So that's why this Swami constantly says, turn your senses and your energies inward, upward, and outward. Because through that vortex, that emptiness that the vortex leads into goes outside time and space. And you can become part of the void. Now, you have not lost anything except the sensory input dominance. Is that safe to say, Sonny? Uh, yes. Because you've, you've experienced this state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are all sorts of means and methods and repetitive actions like drumming or dancing or all sorts of things that can be done to lead one into this inner focus that then goes to a, to a vortex. And that vortex just kind of, boom, pops you right out of the time-space continuum. Time-space didn't cease. The body's still sitting there, but your awareness has moved beyond it and beyond the senses, beyond the mind, even though the mind can apply thoughts on occasion during that, then that means you haven't yet cleared the mental worlds, but that's not a problem. That's part of the practice, is to go as deep, as high, as far as you can by whatever means is necessary for you. Now, within the guru path, as Arjuna and Krishna are doing here, Krishna is the guru. So without the guru, Arjuna would get no understanding of this. And as we continue, Krishna is going to directly show him some things that are not part of the battlefield environment that they are on. This is where the guru takes the lead and displays things once you've gotten free from the sensory input. Now you're still in the mental worlds, 
But there's all sorts of things to be and do and see. You can call it astral. You can call it spirit body. You can call it all kinds of things. Different traditions have different ways of discussing this. But it's a general, available to everyone, human ability. It's not like only some people can do it. No, everyone can do it, but do they try? Because if you do not try, you most certainly, likely will not do it. If you do it spontaneously now, that indicates that in a previous birth, you've achieved that level. And it will just spontaneously pop and off you go into something that may be just pretty dadgum near indescribable. It's so big. <laughs> it, it's so um, nothing. <laughs> there may be aspects that can be grabbed a little bit, or you can talk about it afterwards, but mostly you'll fall silent. And in that state, sometimes the breath will stop of its own, because you've hit such a point of balance that the body neither needs to inhale nor does it need to exhale. It's quite content exactly as it is, and this breathless state can carry on for minutes, but you're not harmed by it. You may be fully aware that it's happening, but you may not. There are all sorts of Variations are possible depending on one's level of understanding and experience. Of, of, of that um, breathless state happened sure. quite, um, quite spontaneously, just uh, yeah. just sat uh, awake. <laughs> right, not, right, not, right. Not, not even, and thinking. I'm not breathing here. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. That was this Swami's very first breathless state. Was entirely aware the body ought to be breathing by now. But it's just not. Um, what's up with this? Because <laughs> it was something I hadn't encountered before. But now I've experienced it a whole lot. It's nothing, you know, there are layers beyond that. But... Yeah. Getting to that one is quite an accomplishment. And talking about the the, the, the space that you sort of described earlier, um, one of my experiences with that, it was like being at a door um, and going through the door and you know, the door, the sort of place uh, that the door was coming from was, you know, uh, quite confined. It felt confined, right? right. And then um, just the, uh, the the sense of space, right, was, was just uh, incredible. Yes, quite. yes, because it seems endless. It's like wow. There's you've never experienced anything so big. Yeah, uh, but at the same time. Um, feeling uh, that you were the space. Right. <laughs> and it's the 
See, what the wise know is they have constant recognition of that while active through a limited body. That's the difference. See, it can come and then go, but then you're not there anymore. But it's a stage in the development to what is called enlightenment and liberation. And it's crucial. If you haven't gotten to these steps, then it don't matter how much DMT you take or LSD or any other type of drug or what's that? Intoxicants. Intoxicants or just uh, psychedelics. You know, all these people trying to tell you that, you know, you can get free by taking these psychedelic substances. Well, those substances have been around for a very long time. In fact, the body creates its own DMT. It's just not in the dosage you get when you take it to party or whatever. And and it's also, uh, that is uh, quite indicative, just just the... the uh, idea that uh, if you take this, this is going to do uh, set you free. It's the it's the indicative of uh, freedom is in other rather than in self. Right. That's why this Swami makes tries to make a point of the big S self, yeah. as opposed to the limited small S self. When this Swami says, this Swami, well, sometimes this Swami is discussing entirely bodily reference, sensory, mental interactions, but then sometimes there's something else. Uh, bigger. And so um, the, idea, uh, the idea within the text there of... Um, of uh, trying to limit the grasping small self to right. objects um, that we perceive to be um, um, forever right. uh, leads up, leads us to begin uh, the the journey to um, you know the, that space. Because through, through accustom, uh, accustomizing yourself and acclimatizing yourself to uh, the uh, just the the raw nature, and uh, that has no need for um, any <laughs> external. <laughs> Force for right. its existence. Right, right. That's entirely correct. That's why you were chosen by the Swami Sadhguru to be part of this program. <laughs> you have made it to some of these skillful steps, whether they spontaneous or thought is irrelevant. You've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Had a beer and split. Yeah. 
So you can speak of this, and you may not speak of it in a traditional way, but you speak of it as an experience. Yeah, and which uh, is also entirely valuable. And I, uh, I appreciate the, the, um, the, the concepts of uh, you know traditions and how um, you know particularly uh, the oral transmission of. Mm -hmm. Um, these um, experiences and awarenesses uh, through down, you know, in within all traditions of all religions, uh, right. but uh, ultimately, um, the the only tradition that we really uh, have is the one that resides right inside ourselves, right. And, but and, that's where the guru or the master or the teacher or the whatever you might, yeah, whatever yeah. label might be used for that one who already knows and does, and then assists you in knowing and doing. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're one who spontaneously goes into these, well, then you need, you know, to associate with a type of a different source and, of a higher perspective. That's all. And, um, not to sort of uh, negate the importance of traditions, uh, because you need those signposts just to go, right, well, you're here, um, but you don't necessarily need to go that way. Um, you need to go over there and focus and spend time here rather than um, wasting your time there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. I mean, if you were on a, let's say, um, let's see, let's say Sonic wanted to take a drive to where Wales meets the sea at the furthest point west, right? Yeah. So if you were stopping at everything with a cash register all the way there, how much time would that take? That would take quite a long time. Okay. But if you load up your vehicle and yourself with what is necessary to get through the journey, how long would it take? Um, a, a fraction of the of that time. Right. So that's exactly what Sonic's talking about with the tell someone, you know, focus here, but don't focus on that. Same, same, same. Yeah. yeah. You, you've got to read the directions. And, and, and the thing is that once you've read the directions, you, you have the epiphany of going, Ah, that's where it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what they meant. Okay, okay, now I get it, now I got it. Well, yeah, you get it once you've directly experienced it of your own. Then you can write your own map if you want, but if maps already exist, why not just use them to start with? Yeah. Instead of fumbling around and fee-farting around at things that make no difference. So, 
So, uh, unless you have something further um, to bring up at the moment, no, no, I think uh, we've um, we've delved into the, uh, those passages um, rather well and got a um, um, a deeper understanding of the nature of uh, and and the. Um, uh, the expression that was... Yep. And uh, the direct experience. Yeah. Very well. We'll wrap it up right here then, boys and girls. Thank you ever so much for allowing Sonic and this Swami to be of service. Hopefully you've got something you can put in your lunch bag and take home with you. <laughs> Namaste and blessings. We will see you again. When we see you again, I'm on the rain. Namaste. Go ahead, namaste. <laughs> Next week, maybe. <laughs>